Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. This isn't what it looks like. Secret series by Pseudonymous Bosch, book number four. And we're on chapter four, page 95. Chapter four, new kid, old comrade. It was lunchtime and Max Ernest was still preoccupied with his bizarre encounter with Miss Johnson in her Renaissance fair costume. What a powerful magnet that he must have been. That must have been to float like that, he thought. He had to admit, Pietro was right. Someone who, To someone who didn't know about magnetism, it would look like magic. Automatically, he headed for his regular lunch spot, the nuts table. Only he was sitting down at his usual... Only as he was sitting down at his usual seat did he become aware that he was about to commit that capital schoolyard crime, having lunch alone. Oh my gosh, it's like... It's like social suicide, eating lunch by yourself, humping. Hello? Are you there? Kid, don't fall back asleep, queen. Are you listening? Mm-hmm. Okay. He, uh, he stared at the empty seats around him. Cass is directly across the table and Yoji's to his, Yo-Yoji's to his right. For years, he hadn't thought twice about eating by himself, but now he'd experienced the pleasure of having friends to eat with. Lunch didn't seem like lunch without them. What to do? He wasn't even very hungry, and in in any case, he hadn't taken a lunch with him to school that day. In the past year, he's always had two lunches, one packed by his mother and one packed by his father. Lately, neither parent seemed to remember he might sometimes need to eat. The only thing that he had with him, as far as food goes, was a single chocolate bar. And that had to last him until he got home. Besides, it had been in his pants pocket and was certainly melted. He needed to put it someplace cold, let it harden again. Should he get up? Would he, He would look pretty silly considering he just sat down. Besides, he had nowhere to go, at least nowhere until after school. He glanced down at the blue plastic surface at the nuts surface at the nuts table as if instructions might be written down on it. And in fact... There was plenty of graffiti etched into the plastic, but nothing helpful or even re- repeatable. Max Ernest, it is fair to say, was a- at a loss. I'm lonely, he thought with a sense of discovery. I feel bad. In, in an odd way, that felt good. Usually, being a bad feeling, Max Ernest didn't feel bad. He felt badly, the same way he threw badly around at Yo-Yoji when he, and had helped him with the same way he threw badly, although Yoyoji had helped him with that, oh, like probably throwing baseballs. But today you could say he was feeling feeling bad well. That is not to say he was feeling well exactly, but rather that he was doing a good job of feeling bad. He was so pleased with his formulation that he almost repeated it out loud, but sadly there was no one to hear it. The other two kids at the nuts table, Daniel, not Daniel, and Glob, didn't, Daniel, not Danielle, and Glob, didn't count. For one thing, they were sitting at the far end of the table, and he would have had to shout. For another, 
They hadn't as much even said hello to him. Then again, Max Ernest, had, Max Ernest hadn't said hello either. Hello wasn't really done at the Nets table. Daniel, not Danielle, was a soft-spoken, caramel-skinned boy with exceptionally long dreadlocks that he confused, he refused to cut, despite the fact that they were always covering his face. Although he would have preferred to call himself by his given name, Daniel, he'd corrected the pronunciation so many times that the, that the correction itself became his name, Daniel, not Danielle. Glob was a pimply and very pale-skinned boy who was even lower on the school pecking order, but who enjoyed an inordinate disagree of the, of degree of power in the con- convenience food industry. His junk food reviewing website, The Glob Blog, was read by thousands of fast food fans, and his opinions, it was said, could make or break a product on in its first week. Wow. Max Ernest knew knew them as he knew everyone at the Nets table, but he didn't know them. That is, he wasn't friends with them. On the other hand, he wasn't any knees with them either. As an experiment, Max Ernest moved several seats closer to the two boys in questions. They didn't welcome him, nor did they protest him. He took this as a positive sign. I thought he was an aristocrat like a lord or a count or something from England, Daniel, not Danielle, was saying in a voice that just barely above a whisper. But then I heard he was an ex-convict who just got out of juvenile because, who just got out of juvenile hall because of DNA evidence. At first, hearing the words lord and count, Max Ernest assumed that they were talking about what everyone at the school was talking about, the Renaissance Fair. But he listened to Glob and Daniel, not Danielle, until he realized the topic was on something else altogether. Apparently, their school had been graced with the presence of an important new luminary. He's neither. He's a child actor, said Glob, munching on a new experimental variety of lime green spearmint flavored breath freshening popcorn. That sounds terrible. Food companies were always sending glob free samples of the new latest exploding cherry bomb bubble gum and nacho cheese extreme potato chips in hopes for the flavor mentioned on his website. He's on hiatus. Daniel, not Danielle, looks stressed. He hates us, but he doesn't even know us. No, idiot, hiatus. He's on hiatus. It's what they call summer vacation when you're doing TV shows, except when my blog goes to the Food Channel, we don't really have a summer vacation because cable's on a different schedule. He pulled a half-eaten popcorn kennel out of his mouth and inspected it. These things are totally disgusting, but you kind of want to keep eating them. It's weird. Oh, said Daniel, not Danielle. Well, either he's definitely a genius. Well, he's definitely a genius. They say he's fluent in 12 languages, like even Belgian. That's impossible, said Max Ernest, cutting in. He was finding himself increasingly resentful of his of this brilliant new student. Why? Because he's more he knows more languages than you, Glob asked. His sarcasm was a little less sharp than it might have been. Owing to his mouth Oh, owing to his mouth being full of a green popcorn. No, because there's no such thing as Belgian. Is so. What about Belgian waffles? What about them? Waffles don't speak a language at all. Last I checked, to the point. The point is, Belgium. They in Belgium they speak French and also Flemish, which is actually kind of Dutch. How about that? Whatever said Daniel, not Danielle. So maybe he speaks Flemish. Yeah, and I don't diss Belgian waffles. 
said Glob. Medieval Days restaurant gave me like a hundred bucks worth of coupons to try theirs. Now they're going to sponsor my blog during the Ren, Ren Fair, and I think they're paying me cash. Max Ernest turned away. He felt like a jerk. Why was he even bothering to talk to them? And why had he gotten so worked up about the aristocrat actor or whatever, whatever he was, new kid? He was supposed to be focused on saving Cass and saving Cass alone. Suddenly, Max Ernest felt missed her intensely. If, if a moment ago he was feeling an ache, this was more like a searing pain. With Cass, he could argue about Belgium for hours, not feeling like a jerk. She might even laugh at him for obsessing at such differences between, say, Flemish Dutch and Dutch Dutch. But whenever she, whenever she laughed at him, she was always laughing with him at the same time. If that had made any sense. Wait, that's him, said Glob. He's not coming to the nuts table, is he? That's impossible, said, said Daniel, not Danielle. Glob and Daniel, not Danielle, were openly staring at the boy who was walking, no sauntering towards them. Even at a distance, there was no mistaking him for anybody else at school. Instead of jeans and a t-shirt, he wore a striped suit and a bow tie. Instead of a backpack, he carried a briefcase, giving the impression of a dapper businessman rather than a middle school student. Sunlight illuminated his golden curls and created bright sparkles in the, in the large glasses lens that covered his left eye. Why would he have on the covered his left eye? Uh, it's not impossible. Anybody can sit here, said Max Ernest stubbornly, although he knew what Daniel, not Daniel, meant. Danielle meant. Besides, he's always, it's always possible he's allergic to nuts, he added. What's over his eye? It's, is it a magnifying glass or something? Maybe we can use it to light fire, to light a fire. Maybe it's a monocle, said Max Ernest. It's like glasses for one eye. Rich guys used to wear them in the olden days, and some magicians, he thought, which was how he knew about monocles. He is. He's totally coming to our table, said Daniel, not Danielle. Indeed, he was waving their direction. Hello, Max Ernest, my dear fellow. Daniel, not Danielle, and Glob turned in unison towards Max Ernest. Judging by their expressions, the only thing they thought more unlikely was that the new, the new boy visiting the nuts table table was that he should know max Ernest by name okay so this looks like a different part of the chapter and it says emergency drill attention reader we're sorry to interrupt you in the middle of a chapter but as you know emergencies are not always scheduled at the most convenient times indeed they are not scheduled at all that's why they're emergencies the author of this book has hired us the team of emergency agent specialists and engineers to more more popularly known by our acronym TEASE, T-E-A-S-E, to conduct this drill to ensure that you are prepared. Oh, remember, Peyton, they said there's an emergency drill. That you're prepared for a genuine emergency. Although this is only a drill for your full cooperation and participation are important for your own protection and the protection of others. Also, it's necessary if we're going to be compensated for our work. Pseudonymous Bosch, that cheap bleep, refused to pay us in advance. Your response to this drill will be timed and compared to other readers' responses. This is for informational purposes only. Humiliation of perceived losers is not our intention, only a peak. 
Remember our slogan. At first, if you don't succeed, you'll never have another chance. Ready? Here's a scenario. For the drill as supplied to us by the author of this book, we take no responsibility for its likelihood or veracity. By participating, you agree not to hold T's responsible for any injuries incurred when you respond to the following emergency. Okay, you're on the back of the school bus. Your best friend is homesick and you have a seat to yourself. You are, you're quietly reading this book. This book, the book in your hands. Now, the book in your hands now, although no one, no one on the bus would know it because you have, of course, disguised this book with a, a d- disguised this book that we had discussed earlier. If you must read a secret series book in public, even some even someplace safe and familiar seeming, like a school bus, it is best to glance upward every one or two minutes to make sure that you're not being observed by anyone in particular, e- particularly the Midnight Sun members. Sadly, you've gotten a little over-involved in this story. Shame on you. And you haven't looked up in more than 10 minutes. That's funny. That is true. We've been reading for a little over 10 minutes, babe. Now imagine this. Suddenly... Realizing your error, you lift your head and glance out of the window, rubbing your eyes and shielding them from the sun. You don't see them at you don't see it at first anything amiss. Gradually you realize the bus has stopped at a crowded intersection. The power is out and the traffic signals are repeatedly blinking red. A traffic cop is standing in the middle of the intersection directing traffic. Wait uh uh Wait a second. She, well, of course, she's wearing white gloves. It's part of her uniform. Perfectly natural. No. Cause for alarm. Nonetheless, because you help, can't help experiencing a small shiver. Surveying the street cape further. You, the streets cape further. You are surprised to see a manhole cover open and it flipped over to the asphalt. A construction worker in a yellow hat and an orange jumpsuit climbs out from under the street. He's also wearing white gloves, but probably they are worker gloves, you think. But strange that they are white, not very practical for, const- practical for construction. Well, that's the problem. No reason to panic. What's the problem? No reason to panic. The first thing, the fr- at first you think it's a trick of the light. But the man sitting on the bus stop on the far right of the street is also appears to be wearing white gloves. On second inspection, you confirm that yes, he is in fact wearing white gloves. But why? Given the black suit in the music stand leaning against the bench next to him, maybe an orchestra constructor or conductor? Conductors wear gloves. There's no real evidence that he's a member of the Midnight Sun after all. And yet, common sense tells you that two people wearing gloves might be a coincidence, but three is a cause for concern. Your concern heightens when a marching band suddenly emerges from behind the line of cars and starts crossing the intersection right in front of the school bus. There are hundreds of band members. Trumpet players, tuba players, drummers, the works, all in red uniforms decorated with gold braid and all wearing white gloves. You look at their faces, hoping for a sign that they are real, a real marching band, maybe a high school marching band, and not an army of evil alchemists, but their eyes are cold and their skin, while youthful, is pale and almost too taut. In your imagination, they transform into, they transform into handsome, healthy marching band of member, a band of skeletons marching on the Day of the Dead.
By now your pulse is racing. Your mind is swimming with fear, although fearful thoughts. The bus stopped and cannot move without plowing through the band. This is a crucial moment. You have, to, you have seen them, but they have not seen you. It is time to act. The drill starts. Now, document all of your actions second by second on this time card. Real footage of your drill is welcome, but should not be considered as a substitute for written submission. Please send to T's, T-E-A-S-E, P-Bosch, Emergency Drill, Attention, Drill Assistant. That is fun. Okay, next chapter.